Good day, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of What's Good with Zeta. If you're new here, hello, hi. I am Nancy Zeta, of a father's favorite child. And hearing me, I have a special guest. Mark, could you introduce yourself? My name is Boy Zakambi. I am a test teacher. <laughs> and uh, I'm an administrator, a season backer, and most of all, I'm a daughter of the most. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad. I'm so thrilled to have you. The favorite for keep up scabbing me. So, where have you been? Very good. So far, so good. So we thank God with the economy of the country. God has mm-hmm. been helping us. Mm-hmm. It's been um, tough, but God has been faithful. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. been good. It's been very good. How are you? Well, I've been good. I've been surviving. We thank God. I've just been enjoying my, myself because I've been on holiday for a while. So, uh, yeah. So I've been make you speak, making best use of this um, holiday quick. Uh, so let's get in, right into it. On today's episode, we'll be discussing about faith in general, how I and Mrs. Grace have struggled in building our faith, the experiences we've passed through, and yeah, a little bit of advices here and there. And yeah, Maxis, could you share with us your personal journey of faith? I gave my life to Christ 1991 in November. Um, it's been a very, very fun journey with Christ. Um, Christianity has its ups and downs, just like the scripture says that when the righteous fall seven ten, he will still, you know, rise up again. Yeah. But it's been it's been good. It's been God all the way. Yeah. I've enjoyed uh, Christianity to its fullness. That most times I keep wondering. How people survive outside the faith. Honestly. I don't know how they do it. Because the kind of peace God gives you, kind of strength he gives you to handle situations and the way he takes you through the storm. Yeah. It's something else. So it's been it's been good. It hurts its down parts. Yeah. You know, when you disobey and when you, you know, tend to think your way is the best. But generally it's been it's been good working with God, mm-hmm. faithfully working. Yes, honestly, because I'm a living tra- testimony to that, and I can see you're also a living testimony. Yeah, that. So. I remember when I needed a new job, mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't uh, okay with the kind of job I was doing then, and yeah. I was complaining that you know, keep praying, keep praying, and I remember I had to sow a seed, and the seed was so heavy. You know, it was a seed that. I tracked almost half of the month with and um, God came through. It wasn't easy. At the point I was like, am I supposed to sow this whole month salary? Was I supposed to sow that seed? Mm. It actually hear God well, but it gave out to a new face in my life that I got uh, lifted. That's the word. I got elevated before my own very eyes and I've never regretted it for once. And some other times, it's been some habits you, you want to stop. And I'll be like, okay, God, I'll stop this, I'll stop this. But God helped me, and I prayed through it. Prayed through it, and God saw me through. Yeah, yeah. So, honestly, it's been, it's been him all the way. There are sometimes you, uh, I, I remember one incident where, when I lost some members of my family, and I felt... God was not there because I saw it coming and I prayed and I was like, oh, why didn't you answer me, God? Yeah. And I felt so bad about the situation and God had to tell me to like, okay, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not my thoughts. Are you timing? It's totally different with God. So God now had to deal and break me in the part where his sovereignty must speak at all times yeah. and that he is God, irrespective of whatever situation is or whatever storm you're going through. So, and I had peace. And after that, I discovered that we we'll have enough strength to face any challenge that comes my way. Because I know I'm not carrying it either. It's me and Baba God. <laughs> it's me and him. It has always been him. It has always been you. Ma, can you share with us how your faith in Christ impacts your daily lives and t- decision-making? Initially, when I first gave my life to Christ, I didn't understand the fact that the day you give your life to Christ, there's an exchange yeah. of your personality and who you think you are or who you are mm-hmm. with who God actually made you to be. Yeah. So 
Eventually, over the time, as I came growing in Christ, reading his word, studying the scriptures, I found out that is actually a mass. Christ is a mass in the totality of my life. There's no part of my being that is segregated from him. Mm. There's no part of my activity that is outside him. Mm. When you are a Christian, a full practicing Christian, that is fully born again, that has accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no part of you that is operating outside Christ. So I found that that, and I found that that in every area of my life, my work life, my home life, my family life, my church life, mm -hmm. every part of my life mm -hmm. is a master game. And so the way I pattern my life, I allow the Holy Spirit to direct me. I, when I wake up in the morning, I plead the lives to him, God, take control of this day, take charge of everything, you know. Every, and you find out that with the acknowledgement of the fact that Christ is in charge of your life, we discover that every step of the way, every decision, every second of your life, the Holy Spirit guides you. Sometimes even driving from the office to the house or from the house to the office, I'll hear clearly, be careful, don't follow that path. Mm. Or drive carefully, don't press that brick. Yeah. Or watch the die behind you. Yeah. Is that is that detailed working with God? He's so mindful of everything you do. Sometimes you want to eat like today. When I, I was trying to break my fast around noon, one o'clock, you know, I was dying to dance. What should I eat? What should I do? I brought out two different things. And I felt and I had, eat this, don't eat this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, eh, no, I'll do, I'll let me like go with both. Then I'll decide. By the time I ate the one God asked me not to eat, to, and the one I asked me to eat, which is mama, mm -hmm. I was already full. So I went on like, he's okay, why did I go this extra mark? Yes. I had it in my spirit not to. So he's so mindful of our lifestyle. So my daily lifestyle, my, like I said, every facet of my life is God. He yeah. said in all your ways, acknowledge him and they will direct your path. Yeah. He's waiting. If you don't acknowledge him, you know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He never forces himself on anybody or anything. It's when you call him, mm -hmm. say, when you invite him, he talks. Yeah. And because of his gentlemanliness, attitude, quote and unquote, he never forces you. He never enforces you. He allows you the will of choice mm. to decide what you want and what you need to do. But he will tell you, this is life, this is death. But I, I advise you, choose life. So daily work with God, it's, it's, a, it's something you would acknowledge you don't, it's not that you outgrow it. It's not that you get too perfect or you get so perfect in that you hear some people say, you know, <laughs> it's not possible for you to say you, you know God mm. because he's God is multifaceted. Yeah. So he's in layers. So it's a daily experience, daily experience. As you stumble, you stand up again, you walk, you keep walking with her. Yes. Um, and to add to that decision making as well, there's a friend in school. Emmanuel, shout out to you. He he was explaining to me that um, being with the Holy Spirit is so important, even to the dresses you wear every day. The Holy Spirit could tell you, oh, wear this dress because there's a reason to it. Maybe there's that one destiny helper that's, oh, um, you're supposed to see so, 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 so wearing red or so. You're supposed to give him money or go to him, minister to him. So I feel like we should always have the Holy Spirit with us because... Every minute counts, every moment counts, and yes. How do you respond to people who may question or criticize your belief in Christianity? Uh, it happened to me yesterday or day before yesterday. Uh, recently? Yes, recently. I went to change the oil in my car mm -hmm. in the service place, and um, a gentle, a elderly gentleman walked up to me. Yes. And, you know, the usual thing, Nigerian men, they start yanning, and they start toasting you. And I was like, no, sir, I don't do such thing. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, you notice I... I put stick. It's not living face to call my or my car. Oh. Or that, that, but that, that's rubbish. That's the word they used. He said, that's rubbish. And I, I was like, initially I wanted to react, but I was like, this man must have met so many people, quote and unquote, that call themselves Christians. Yeah. And are not truly Christians. Sure. So he feels because the general practice, which of course the Bible wonders of, that will happen in the end time where a lot of people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. And, you know, I could see in him that he felt everybody is faking Christianity. And he must have met a lot of them along the way. 
So I just smiled and I told him, I said, I'm not one of such, sir. When I say it's white, I'm like, my God, it's white. When I say it's black, I'm like, my God, it's black. I'm a practicing, I use the word practicing Christian. So I told him, I said, you see that sticker? Whatever he says is who I am. It's not for sure. Yes, I don't have, I don't have the ability and the uh, and capacity to live a multiple life. And it's for me, I call it bipolar Christianity. You know, they are, they are, they are Christians on Sunday, Monday to Saturday, they are not Christians. <laughs> and some are even lukewarm. Some are professing Christian, but they are not practicing Christian. They know how the right words to say. They know the right answer to give, but their lifestyle does not depict what they see. I told him, I said, sir, I'm not. I know God and I know him for real. I said, the way you can call my name and ask me, what's your name? And I'll tell you, my name is Grace. That's the way you can wake me up in the middle of the night and I'll tell you who Christ is to me and who God is to me. And I don't have a compactalized life. My life is God and God is me. He said in the book of Acts, he said, as many as have believed, he has given the powers to become the sons and daughters of God. I'm a daughter of God because I have the power. So, you know, you know, I could see in him, it was like, really? He was shocked to like, really? And there are people that are still genuinely, you know, uh, yes. And I told him, I said, I live by principles and I live by the dictates of what God has said I should be. Yeah. So every day you see challenges from people, from, uh, you know, society, from friends and family, from the, the world standard that believe you should behave certain way, you should have certain kind of um, uh, of um, wealth or something. Mm. No, it's the challenge is daily. And that's why the Bible says you have to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means nobody can walk out your salvation for you. You walk it out yourself personally, daily. It's a daily walk. So when people like that challenge you, I'm afraid, I bring out the God I love in me. I don't bring out the 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 fact that I'm righteous and holy. Because honestly, sincerely speaking, the like the Bible says, our righteousness is like freezy rocks before hell. The righteousness of Christ through the death of His Son on the cross mm. has imbibed us with His righteousness. So we're shielded under the righteousness of Christ, not our own righteousness. So when I get such kind of challenges of people challenging my faith, I show them Christ. And they're like, eh, hey, really? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I serve a perfect God whose cover I am, that whose righteousness I use to showcase myself. Yeah. So it is, the challenges are daily and they will continue. And like the Bible says, in the end time, they will be worse. Christians will have to fight for every faith and declaration they have. Because there will be many, many, many reasons not to want to serve God or to doubt God or, you know, to think if he's actually real or not. But like uh, God said in the book of Daniel, he said, they that know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. So there, there's a timing, there's a need, not timing, there's a need to know God for you to be able to be strong and for you to be able to be, be able to do exploits. Yes, I definitely believe. Because there was this time I was listening to Pastor Selman and he's like, if you encounter any um, form of, let's say, criticizing or whatsoever, you respond to those people with love, you know, because Christ is love. So we don't have to, because I mean, I feel some of these people are testing us. They want to see whether we would have to respond back rudely or, you know, but, but we have to respond back with love, show them that, oh no, this is not what Christianity is about. This is what Christianity is about, you know, responding to love and all of that. So yes, most of these people are just testing us and we shouldn't fall for that trap. So yes, and I was also made to understand that Christianity is, it's not a religion, but it's more of a lifestyle. It is. Yes. It is both ways. Okay. It is a religion because it's a way of belief. Okay. But it is a religion that is practiced through living. Okay. It's a lifestyle that you you live through your belief. Mm. It's a belief that you practice in your lifestyle. Okay. So it marries together. Okay. I've learned a lot of 
Uh, in what ways do you find comfort and support from the Christianity community? Wow. The Christendom? Wow. It's massive. One of the greatest one is where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst. And the part where he says, when two or three of you agree over anything on earth, it is established in heaven. Yeah. So there's this force of agreement. He said one, one which is 1,000, two which is 10,000. Ideally, two should chase 2,000. Yeah. But he said two which is 10,000. That means there's a force that multiplies agreement yeah. in two coming together. So in the body of Christ, I get encouraged because you actually don't know it all. Uh, the book of Shango told us about the fact that there are many giftings in the body of Christ. There are teachers, there are prophets, there are pastors. So you you get to tap from different gifts in the body of Christ. Yeah. There are those that have the gift of faith, that even when your own faith is falling, their own faith will carry you. There are people that have the gifting of healings. They have people that are in, gifted with teaching. They will decipher the word of God. You'll be like, what? But I read that scripture. And you're like, I didn't see it that way. So the body of Christ is is really beautiful. That's what the Bible says, don't forsake the assemblies of the saint. Because there's a place where iron sharpens iron. Uh, wood does not sharpen iron. If they meet, the iron will break the wood. Mm. It takes an iron to sharpen another iron. So in the body of Christ, you meet like minds. You meet another iron that will sharpen you, that will challenge you. So there's encouragement in building you. There's encouragement in prayers. There's encouragement in giving to the body of Christ. And then there's there's this peace that passes all understanding when you're in the midst of brethren. And uh, like I keep telling believers recently, a couple of years ago, I found out that when you are in Christ, when you're in the body of Christ, and you belong to a body, to the real, I mean like you belong to a local assembly, a church, or a group of believers that have like minds at you, God will just lay your talent in somebody's heart. At that moment, you might not be able to pray or something. Just see that somebody will just stand in the gap for you and be praying on your behalf. You hear testimonies of so many people say, Ah, what happened to you at so hour? We say, Somebody say, I was praying for you. That's God. When God wants to act, He just needs a local standing to act on your behalf. So if there's any believer, just comes to your mind. The Holy Spirit just start, just start praying for the person. So there's so many benefits to it. Could you talk about a time when your feet was tested? Yeah, so many times. I've had on a daily basis. On, it's just that the test is it does, some are bigger, some are huge, some are challenging. One of the things that, one of the ones that really comes to my mind is when I had a health challenge and I kept praying. And the more I prayed, the more it became worse. And I was like, ah, oh, but God, it's not your word now. And I kept praying. And I kept praying, and I kept praying, believing God that I must be healed. Why this matter? Because I've never been the sick type all through my life. But the way God answered me was very funny. He now told me, he said, there's a place for physicians. And I was like, really? There is? He said, yes. Because most times I pray as if I'm talking to God the way I'm talking to you. Because he said, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And because we're spirit, he is spirit. And prayer for me is a form of worship. So I talked to him as if I'm talking to my friend. And he told me, I have diverse ways of healing. I don't have one way of healing. I'm a most sophisticated God. You can't street jacket me in how I answer you. And it's only my word that I honor above my name. And that name is very powerful. Because at the mention of Jesus' name, every name was good. So, you know, and I can pray. And God actually did heal me. But he, he didn't heal me in the way I assumed in my mind he was going to do it. He healed me in another dimension. And when he did it, he did it so perfectly well. That even me knew, this is God. This is God. Then there's another time I was believing God. For, I had some debts I wanted to clear. And I was like, God, how do we do this? How do we do this? You know? And I kept saying, somebody's going to give me something. And that's where Psalm 121 comes into play. 
you know, I will look up to the hills from where cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. I was looking unto man to meet my need, not unto God who will make man meet my need. And of course, man disappointed by the grace of God. You know, man will always fold your hand. Any wish will you go until God stepped in, provided the funds, did it in his own time, and I was able to clear that debt. Praise God. Praise God. God is indeed very good. So most times, lesson I've learned over the years, when my faith or my Christianity or my stand is challenged, is to not rely on my strength, mm -hmm. not rely on man, because definitely man will disappoint you. I look unto God and I rely unto God. That's what I do as often as I can. Thank God. I also have um, a story on like how my faith has been challenged. Um, it was back when I was in when I was done with SS3, when I was done with secondary school. So I was hoping that I would go to another school. I did not want to come to Bing. I know what to go to Bingham because currently I'm in Bingham and then Bingham is really strict. They are really, um, I don't know, they're just really secured and not like every other university that they allow that. Yes, basically. And that's what my mom wanted, but I didn't want her. And so I kept praying to God that, oh Lord, please don't take me there. I don't know. I do not want to end up in that place, but I eventually went there. Uh -huh. And I've, what I believe is that there's a reason for everything. True. And so when I went there, my first year, it was a beautiful experience because I had beautiful um, roommates okay. that were that were that were Christians, not quote unquote Christians, but like Christian. yeah, practicing Christians. Yes. That also motivated me to start going to church often. They, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I started living like a Christian basically when I started going to Bingham. And so since, since then, my life has just changed to be honest, because now I believe that God actually exists. I wasn't, it wasn't like those times when, yes, yes. And I just, I'm just comfortable where I am basically. And I'm so happy to be in the school I'm in. So yes, um, that's, that's, that's the time when my faith was, was built. Yes. Um, how do you see the role of prayer in strengthening your faith and relationship with God? Like I said earlier, prayer to me is worship. Yes. It's a form of uh, communication with God. Uh, people tend to see God like one huge being, you know, being that is standing somewhere and, you know, hanging there and just waiting, you know, with a stern face yeah. and just say, if you misbehave, I'll flog you. It's not like that. It's one of the most loving God that has ever been in existence. And um, prayer to me is worship. It's a form of when I'm talking to my father, I'm talking to my friend, I'm talking to my pa, I'm talking to someone that I don't need to compose my words. I don't need to speak plain English. I don't need to speak Queen's English. I speak as the mood lead me. If I'm in my dialect tone mood, I speak to my dialect to him. He hears all. But one of the things I do most with prayer that I haven't understood is the fact that most times our spirit needs to connect to our lips when we're praying. Most times when we're uttering some words, our minds are drifted. We actually are not coming down. Because God is spirit, he listens to your spirit back. So... If your spirit is saying something else and your lips are saying something else, you're creating confusion for yourself and God is actually just listening to what your spirit is saying. So there has to be an alignment between your words and your spirit. Oftentimes we're distracted, but we need to be able to bring ourselves where we can align our spirit with our words mm -hmm. so that when our mouth is speaking, it's altering what is in our heart. Mm -hmm. Most times I discover that most of the prayers Apart from, you know, warfare prayers where I need to decree and declare and tell the devil stay clear, you know, or enforce some declarations into the atmosphere. Most times my prayers are not loud because I need that synergy with my spirit and my words. And I was reading about Samuel's mother in First Samuel chapter 1, Anna. And she, the prayer that she prayed, that she, God had, 
was, apart from the fact that she made a covenant with God, the Bible says she was more trained once. That son uh, and a prophet Eli was wondering, is this woman drunk? And he had to ask her, Woman, how far? They shock. Why are you shy you this? And she told him, said, No, I wasn't drunk. I was just pouring out my heart. He couldn't hear her talk, but he just saw the uttering of her lips. But the Bible recorded that the what she was saying was deep in her heart. And God saw her pouring out her heart. It's enough. I'm okay with this. Please do this. I promise you give me a male child. I'll give you back. And it will be a Nazareth. I won't touch his hair. I'll give you back. And the Bible recorded that 20 by uh, some uh, some first summer 120 that she went back and somehow even Eli had to acknowledge where she told him, I'm not drunk. I'm just you know said, Okay, be on to you, according to your words, as you've prayed. And and she the Bible recorded that she went back. And that moment took him. So prayer is a two-way communication, your spirit with God's spirit, but it's more of your spirit connecting with God, who is the spirit being, which you don't see, but your spirit knows is there, not just the uttering of your word. And lastly, yeah, Jesus was talking to, you know, I said, don't pray like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Where there will be, you know, they will be louding, just be hearing their words as, you know, so that people can know that, ah, that sister, she can't wait. That brother, that fire, you see, and doing shabba, shabba, shabba. Meanwhile, all the shabba, shabba did not get into his heart. It didn't, it didn't align with the will of God. They align with the purpose of God. So lastly, prayer should be done with scriptures and in line with God's word. Yes. Okay. About this rule of prayer and strengthening your faith, some people feel like they need to quit that sin before building a relationship with God. And I feel like that is a terrible way of thinking because, as you said, our God is ever loving and accepting. So I feel like even in the midst of trying to quit, if God says that, oh, yes, you're willing and, and you can't do it all by yourself, I feel like we should all go in prayer and ask God for the strength because, I mean, we can't do anything by our own strength and we can't go anything by our own power. You don't have to be the the perfect human being to start a relationship with God. I mean, there are a lot of people in the Bible that God used even as sinners to do signs and wonders. And so, I mean, <laughs> you're not you're nothing less. So, yes, you don't have to. That, for me, um, Romans uh, 8, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Yes. Nothing. And when... when you know, apart from, he just listed it after the death, you know, pain, you know, tears. He said nothing, absolutely nothing. And then I've come to realize one thing that, you know, when you sin and you run away from God, yes, you, you give the devil more chance to deal with you because that's actually what he wants. But when you sin and stay with God, you give God room to help you fight back that sin. And in 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 respect of addictions mm. or habits that are sinful or that are negative, um, I want to give an example of my late pastor, Pastor Reverend uh, Philip Paul Mokunga, you know? He, he uh, the Oasis of Love just he, there was um, there was giving us a testimony of someone that was uh, drunk mm. and um, you know as a you know, drunks have categories. Yeah. There are there are one bottle drunks. There are there are in the evening drunks. You know, there are leisure drunks. This guy was a he. he there's anything like stunt drunk. He's high. He's drunk twenty four seven, constantly. He only functions when he's drunk. Oh, so yeah. You know, you know, stumbled into church one day and um, <laughs> gave his life to Christ. And he now told pastor. So, Pastor, does it mean I'm going to stop drinking? Pastor, say, lie, <laughs> bros, continue. But promise me one thing. We will never stop coming to church. We will never stop coming to church, no matter what. He said, is that, is that all? I have no problem. It's easy. <laughs> so, he, he kept coming to church. And one day, I think he said several weeks after, I think seven weeks or so, he just came at me, Pastor. I passed up. 
I don't all feel like drinking again. And Pastor was like, really? And Pastor was like, I told you so. I knew God was going to deal with you. So in God's presence, as you stay there, as you refuse to go, you just find out that some habits will start falling up. Unconscious, yeah. without you even knowing. So when you see, the first reaction is guilt. And guilt breeds about the fact that you don't want to come to God, which is what Satan wants. And that's why he helped you fall in the first place. And then the more longer you stay away from God, the more you want to try the habit again, yeah. you want to do it again, you want to do it again. But if you use that guilt of the fact that, you know, the Bible says, humble and contrite heart, the Lord does not despise. Mm. And the typical example of that is David in the scripture. When David messed up, big time, Killed Uriah, called Bathsheba, somebody white. Where you sit on that balcony. When you are supposed to be at war, uncle, you don't go war, you stay there, the new woman. After I collected somebody's babe, collected somebody's wife, not even babe, not babe, not understanding, wife, collected somebody's wife, killed the husband, and then now had a child with her. You know, Bible says he stayed in the temple even when the prophet was sent to him to tell him, uncle, you have seen the king, oh, ye king. I've seen that I would deal with you. He refused to leave the presence of God. He stayed there, even when the child died. The Bible says he washed his countenance and went and ate. And he came back to the town. So it wasn't the fact that I learned a lesson in that fact that no matter how messed up you are, no matter how guilty you think you are, stay in God. He has a way of cleansing you. The Holy Spirit will turn you out, will clean you up. Don't run, because the first reaction is to run. Mm. The Bible says the righteous, not the sinner, the righteous will fall seven times, but he will surely rise. So the, there's room to fall because God is there to pick you up. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> because I also want to add, because that habit that people feel like they can't stop, um, the spirits are always there. The spirits of those habits are always there. Whether you give your life to Christ or whatsoever, the spirits are always there. It's just your decision that matters, whether you're willing and intentional to, you know, be serious about God's word, really. So it really just depends on you. And I pray, I pray you guys that are going through those habits where you stop because life with Christ is so beautiful. Yes. But, but don't run from Christ. Stay in Christ. He will... He will wash you through. Yes. He will humble and contrite heart. The Lord does not despise. He never does. Never does. Can you share a specific moment on where you felt closest to God? Worship. Praise and worship. Worship in prayer. I love music. I love songs. I love music. Mm. Lord, so I get to meet God more. I get to feel God's presence more. And I'm worshiping and praising him through music. Yeah. And to and to add to um what we said earlier about um uh role of strengthening your faith and relationship with God, it also depends on how you surround yourself, like the music you listen to, the movies you watch, the people that surround you basically. Like me, when I decided to become serious with Christ, I deleted most of the music, if I all do Afrobeats, all them Ashake, all them Divido, it changed really. And I started listening to more sermons. I started reading more and um, more books by Joyce Meyer, by Divido Yedipo, you know, by even um, the pastor Noah Osilama. I just recently got his book now. You know, build yourself up, increase your wisdom. And those words that most of this music contain inspire emotions in you. Yes, I, you know, you, your question was, how, when do I feel closest to God? Yeah. yeah. And and I said music. Yeah. Those words inspire emotions that draw me close to God. Yeah. You know, that, like I was listening to Ovi Agbani today. He's one of my favorite uh, gospel artists. He's a Nigerian. He's not well-known. And he was one of the songs that I like. In my life, in my life, you take the glory. You know, the lyrics spoke about going through storms, and God's taking the glory. Yeah. When you're down, God's is there for you and it takes the glory. So when you listen to other lyrics like 
those ones that are vulgar words that you know they invoke sexual feelings in you they invoke your uh, emotions that lead you into thoughts that generate into actions yeah. that now accumulate into sin get me it's a process you don't just have sin like that or you don't just commit sin like that yeah. it is it's, it's a process it comes from the thought life and what is what inspires the thoughts is usually most of the songs that have lyrics that are infused with those kind of words that are embedded in those kind of feelings so they arouse feelings in you arouse, and you know they keep speaking bringing out the negative feelings in you that eventually leads into you thinking about it that now leads you into acting on it and becomes a sin. So it's either way it works. What you see, what you hear, where you move it has a way, not even has a way, actually does influence you, actually does humiliate your thought lines and your thought pattern. And sometimes there are some songs that you just listen to in person. And you just find yourself unconsciously singing there. Yeah. And you're finding yourself, but this not when did this song stick to my head? You just wake up in the morning, you just hear the spirit singing the song. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not my song. You have to consciously, deliberately, particularly in this age and time, where there's accessibility to all sorts, informations at, at your fingertips, on your phone, on your device, on everywhere. Because like you need to really censor what you watch, what you listen to as believers, as Christians, for you to be able to live a practicing Christian life. If not, you'll be challenged to understand the purpose of your existence in Christ. You just find yourself battling through daily fights that you could avoid mm. by guiding your heart with all diligence, just like the scripture recommend. Guide your heart. Guide your heart, definitely. In this age and time, guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. They really, the heart, you know, surrounds itself with things that enables you to be or not be. Yeah. Either way. Every person you see that uh, that acts a certain way, that really stems from the in-depth of the heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. True. So it's it's a two-way thing. Yeah. So it can either work for you or work against you. And, and and the Bible says, he that thinketh his time should take heed, lest his fall. That's one of my scripture scripture. So you can never think you have grown something, or else you just find yourself falling flat. Every sin is a sin that is a potential sin to you as a Christian. Irrespective of whether you've been born again 1,600 years, you still need to take heed and be careful because you don't outgrow sin. You stay away from sin. You, know, you can't say, I said, no, 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 sweetheart, it's not a thought. <laughs> so, yes, we just basically need to be intentional mm -hmm. about the things we do. Yeah. How do you think the message of the gospel can effectively reach and impact people from different backgrounds? Um, I'm glad God is ahead of us in that manner because I've noticed that, you know, during COVID, I was like, we're not in church, we're not in church, we're not in church. Online ministry came up. Mm. And you know, God used it. Yeah. <laughs> Devil thought he was for where God used it. And we see God spoke cutting across boundaries, cutting across nations, cutting across the uh, tribes, colors, diversity. So people can sit in their house and, and you be you know, broadcasting and hundred nations will be connected. And for me, I think recently I found that that the knowledge of God's word is spreading so fast, so fast with the use of technology that if every believer capitalizes on the use of the technology, just like, you know, the negatives to try to portray push-up narrations, yeah. you see that we keep hitting more, more souls. We keep getting more souls for Christ. Also, one-on-one -on -one preaching is good. Um, facial, you know, interaction is good. This guy, sorry. This kind of interaction is good, but I found that the power of the media, both, uh, you know, the social media and the conventional media is running deep into people. So it's good we capitalize on it, and I know God is really using it to those tools mm. to get 
So Christianity is moving and it's moving fast. And the gates of hell cannot prevent. The church is moving. I'm sure of that one. And I'm glad. <laughs> what advice would you give someone who may be struggling to find faith or questioning their beliefs? Um, what? Study scriptures. Don't joke with your Bible time. Don't. Don't. Whatsoever. The truth of who we are and what we are, who Christ is and who God is, is embedded in the Bible. I hear people say, I read the Bible and don't understand. You're not intentional about it. Start reading it even if you don't understand. The Holy Spirit will lead you and give you the petition that you will understand. That's number one. Number two, free. That's one of the major pillars of Christianity. It's a free without season. Free without, that is constant. It's one of the instructions God gave, Christ gave. Free without season. Free without season. So, pray. Even if it is, uh, you know, uh, two minutes, three minutes, start. As you keep going on, you discover that you're getting better. God is hearing you, you're talking. Then number three, you know, the tendency of you thinking, now nah, I'm born again, or I'm a Christian, I don't have problems. Oh, cool. Hee-hee-ha! <laughs> <laughs> He said you are in this world. Many troubles. But be of good chase. For you have overcome the world. So Christianity that people paint or the picture they have in their mind that now that I'm born again, no more problems. It's a lie. There will be problems. There will be challenges. There will be struggles. In fact, there will be storms. But the difference now is that you are in that storm with Jesus in your boat. You got the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit backing you up. It's like you're in a match where you already watched the preview and you know that you are winning. Mm. You, know, you know, already know that the score will be 2-0 or 10-0. So you, you just play knowing that I'm coming out successfully, but you will play. Say so those that walk through the valley of the shadow, you are walking through it and it's a valley. And valley are deep, so you understand? They are not, and they are shadows of death surrounding you. But you fear no evil. Why? Because God has not given you the spirit of fear. That's a little understanding. All right. <laughs> so when you, when you, when you know this, it helps you to know when challenges come. You don't question why. You know what I mean? She might just go born again. She might be a Christian. Unbelievers are facing it. I'm facing it. Why? <laughs> What's happening to me, God? Why me? It's not fair. Never was sweetie. You will face challenges. I was thinking of how she drive me shack and then they go, you know. Because they were really standing up for God. And you know, in, if it is modern Christian, they were like, Ah God, waiting. Ah, I go enter fire now. Yeah. What? She mean, why? Why? Huh? Why would I enter fire? Are you not God again? But they made a statement. They said, even if I want God. We not say although we're sure he will save us. Uncle went back to you. We enter. And of course, God showed up because he always does. He honors his name. He honors his, our faith. Said so even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, and you talk to that mountain, say move it will move. But do you even have the faith? Or the doubts are there. Speaking louder than your faith. So for a young Christian, scriptures, pray. Know that challenges are part of your Christian life, but know that you're on the winning side. So go through it and also realize the fact that you need to serve God. Because honestly, that's the best thing that can happen to you. And when I mean serve God, I'm talking of serving humanity as a whole. Pray for people, be there for people, you know, cry when the people are mourning. Blessed are those that mourn. But they share, you know, we call the sons of God, you don't know, peacemakers. <laughs> you know, just they shall find comfort. Those that want to find comfort. Pray as much as you can for people. So my advice in this new age and generation and time, where seems to be sin is acceptable, quote and unquote, in the society, learn to stand out and be different. And like I always tell my teenagers when I'm teaching, if they say everybody does it, 
are you everybody? When they were naming you, the day name you say, ah, everybody, oh, please welcome to everybody's ceremony. Oh. They will give you your name. And your name will be actually what you be. So it, because everybody does is doing it doesn't mean grace mm. should do it. They should have a pattern. They should have a lifestyle. They should know what she wants. Yeah. Good. And to add to that, you keep, um, in church, you keep um, encouraging us to feed our spirit more and not to feed our flesh because there's a difference between the spirit, soul, and flesh. So I would encourage you guys to feed feed the spirit more by doing what she said, pray. Yes, and start. start. Because as long as the flesh is fatter than the spirit, yes. it will keep dominating the spirit. But if the spirit is fatter than the flesh, it cannot conquer the flesh through the mind. Yeah. Where is the go in go between though? There's the flesh, there's the spirit, and there's the mind in between. So the either the bigger one, either way, controls the mind. So if the flesh is fat, it controls the mind. If the spirit is the bigger one, it controls the mind. Pray God helps us. Amen. Amen. Um, I believe most people these days, um, most youths, I be my let's say my age group now, we are finding it hard to live in the sense that we don't have a purpose we don't know what we're really here for we're just we're just flowing we're, we're going with the crowd and all of that yeah. so what would you say about that like what would you advise us to do concerning um understanding our purpose number one know you're different okay. you're not everybody and everybody's not you yeah. you need to get that into your brain i've noticed that a lot of gen z's have identity problems they only identify themselves with what is in vogue. They have no personal identity. And when they say bring out your ID card, it's actually your face that shows, not everybody's face. So you need to understand that you need to know who you are. And then how do you know who you are? By first of all, acknowledging the fact that you are different. You are not everybody. It's amazing to find out that Billions of people that have died and billions of people that will still be born if Jesus tarries. Mm. Nobody has the same fingerprint yeah. ever. That shows that you are different. Your nobody's fingerprint matches another. I'm talking of dead and alive and yet to be born. Mm. Everybody comes with his own unique fingerprint. It's a glaring evidence for me to show that you're different. I'm different. That means there's no way you can be me, I can be you. So when you first acknowledge the fact that you're different, it gives you the background and the basis and the fundamental fact to stand to know that if I'm different, why am I different? In trying to find out why you are different, you get to understand who you are. And one of the fastest ways to understand who you are is going to meet the person that created you. For example, you have a phone. If you don't read the manual of the phone and you just start operating the phone, you end up destroying the phone or you end up underutilizing the phone. You don't use the same operation manual for Android, for, for iPhone. They have different operating system. Yeah. So also is it that you can buy something in US because their voltage rate is lower than what we use in Nigeria. Yeah. When you bring an equipment in US to use it in Nigeria, you have to buy a step down mm. so that it can fit into the electrical uh, what we use here or else it would blow it up. So what am I saying in essence? Number one, understand that you're different. Two, go to your creator who has the operation manual of why he made you and why he gave back to you and why he created you. Because in Jeremiah, he said, before you were forming, your mother's woman knew you. So go to him and find out. And how do you go to him? Through the scriptures and through the prayers and through listening to true men of God, practicing men of God, to know that, okay, this is my identity. And one of the identities is that I am a light to my generation. A light can, candle cannot be lit and hid with her. I'm a light. I'm a sword of the world. You know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You get to understand that even the pattern and the body that God gave you is for a purpose and you don't try to alter it. I love when I hear people do, I went and do BBL. I'm like, God knew you don't need bumper. <laughs> Are you killing yourself? You know, oh, I went and augmented my chest. Or oh, hear somebody, I'm not male, I'm not female. I'm funny, I'm a lot. I say, it's a misidentity of who you are. Why don't you go meet the man that made you and find out from the operation manual, who am I? 
in, in using a phone as an example, am I even in the in the in the brand of Samsung, mm -hmm. there is A series, there's S series, even among the A series, there's A ten, A twenty, A thirty, A forty plus, A seventy two, A fifty. Which one are you? They all operate in different dimensions. They all have different configurations. They are, all have different capacity. So you need to find out through the operation manual, which is God, who you are. Then also, when you now uh, go to the operation manual to understand who you are, find out how to operate who you are. For some of us, I keep telling people, if you, I hear people say, I'm a Gemini. I'm like, we'll give you that one. <laughs> you know, what is all this? All this. Let me tell you, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> all this, you know, when they hear people say those things and then they misbehave and say, that's how we Gemini behaves. That's how we Scorpion behave. It's because it is, I'm like, oh, oh, excuse me, I didn't see stars reading in the scripture. The only time God mentioned, you know, the stars was the three wise men that were looking for the birth of Christ, that were looking for where Christ was. And they said, we saw a star. And it shows that a king, a king is being born. But this star is shining beyond usual. Mm -hmm. And they follow this. So I don't know how the stars can now align. I might be rocking shaking a lot of tables. I don't know how the stars align to the fact that it creates your personality and your being. And I have not seen it in the scripture. Maybe when I find it, I will not start believing that okay. That is how it will it's um, it's I you also used to believe in it, but it's a mere misconception of who you are. It's just the devil giving you a tool to misbehave. And mm -hmm. you ask that one to not want to understand yourself. No, 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 you can't. Stars can't define you. God created you. So you can't use another thing that he created to define you. It has to be him defining you through his own words. Mm -hmm. And where is his word? In the scripture. And what did he say about you? Go find out there. Dig it out and read it. So with that again, in trying to discover yourself, you can easily, as you read the scripture, you find out things you, that comes easily to you, things you can easily do. You find out things you do with ease yeah. that you don't struggle to do. Those are you. That's you. So you train on those kind of giftings. You train on those kind of talents. You enhance it. And you're making money and you're feeling as if you're playing. But because you're doing what you love doing, you're enjoying what you're doing. Because that's who you are. You've discovered who you are. And then when you now discover who you are and you discover your giftings and your talents, you stay in your lane. You stay in your lane. And what I mean by stay in your lane means that when some things are trendy or when some things are in vogue, they are not for you. You, For example, I see ladies wear stripless hands and they look proud of Jesus. And I'm like, then you see some people do dress and they're like, Holy Ghost fire. What are you carrying on your head? Mm -hmm. They will not, it doesn't actually fit everybody. There's some people that it actually does look good on them. Some it doesn't, but because people are coloring their hair, just you to go and color. Okay, peer pressure. Yes, peer, you know, you, you tend, it, and peer pressure comes into being because you've lost your identity. And that's why when people make suggestions or things are trendy, you tend to fall into it because you don't know who you are. You don't understand your lead. So knowing yourself comes with the help of the Holy Spirit for you to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. When something is involved, there's no mean it is for you, Gen Z's and millennials. Know that it's not, everything is not for you. You know, the devil uses the weapon of pressure, societal pressure, peer pressure, community pressure, you know, put an uncle some starting standard that is expected. For example, now, I noticed that being pure and staying away from sexual sin seems not to be in vogue. I was listening to one podcast recently, no, not recently, it was last year, okay, where a lady was talking about the fact that being a virgin is not something you should be proud of. Okay, I knew that part. And I was wondering, I was, I was wondering where did, when did we get here, for God's sake? I was wondering the same as it, well. It, it, and I found that, that when I was reading the comments on that, a lot of people supported her. And we're, and we're making it say, why, why will you, what? But, but purity is sanctity of mind. 
it's it's not just that you are honoring God's word. It's the fact that you are placing value on yourself as a human being. It's dogs that don't animals that don't have value for that. A, 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 a dog will give back to a male dog. The male dog will sleep with her. It is no matter. doesn't. So when you are human, mm. created in God's image, there is a certain value that nature bestows on you. That's why you are the creation, the first of all creations, not the first created, but at least in the ranking of God's creation. Human beings are topmost. And that's why he gave Adam the leverage to name others. Mm. Because so there's a certain value that comes with you. So when you when you stay out of immorality, out of sin, out of you know, sex and uh, outside marriage, it is you giving yourself value and not pricing yourself cheap and not putting cheap price tag on yourself. It's you telling yourself, This is I'm God's image. Yes. Here on earth. So I shouldn't mess up. And our body is our holy temple. It's the is where the Holy Spirit dwells in. So give yourself some value. Yeah. So for me, when I hear such kind of thing on like identity error, it's simple. You actually don't know who you are in Christ. And that's where anything goes. And that's where you can trivialize the fact that when you indulge in sexual sins, it's normal because you don't have value for yourself. And that's why you feel the body God gave you is not good enough. You need to enhance it. You need to look some certain ways to be accepted. You need to, as ladies, you need to reveal yourself and expose yourself for men to look at you. Man, the woman's beauty, whether open or covered, comes from within. Those are beauty that stays and lasts. Those are beauty that give impression to the opposite and they're like, wow. When, when, when they see and there's no matching force in what they see. They're like, is that all you can offer? Mm. Is that all? Is that the best you can bring to the table? Mm. So for me, I keep saying it and I'll always say it. The way you value yourself is the way others will value you. Meaning, if I go into a supermarket, when I see a price tag of the same item, one is 400000 and one is 4000 it gives an automatic impression that the one for 400000 is of a higher quality and the one of 4000 So when you sell it, price yourself cheap, people will help you price cheap. When you sell yourself expensive, people will assume and agree with you that you're expensive. So the value you place on yourself by understanding your identity or and knowing who you are here on earth, through the operation of who made you, who is God, you can now know that I am the light of the world. I am a salt to this earth. And when I lose my saltness, I'm of no use. When my light is covered, I cannot lead anybody. So value. Value is key. Value is key. It's key. Going back to what you said about the dreads and the and the rag jeans, my saying there's a certain way to dress. Yeah, definitely. So people with dreads, are you saying that? No, they are. I, I carry dreads. I have a dread. I carry dreads on my own. Oh. But the way I carry it and the way I dress does mm -hmm. not give you a different impression about who I am. Yeah. It's how you present yourself. For example, most of these rag jeans are so torn that your laps show, your uh, private, I call it, places where you should be, you should be covered and exposed and you feel it's okay. Then, for example, there was one time sagging trousers was raining. Yeah. I've never seen anybody sagging trousers and those good ones. I've never. I've n I'm yet to see a guy or a girl that wears a sagging trouser and they look presentable. There's this uh, picture they paint of an unserious person. And there's this picture they paint of somebody that actually doesn't really know if he actually wants to pull the trouser to his waist. He actually wants to put it down. <laughs> and when I now found out how that culture came to be, it just I'm just like, do you know what you're doing? Because they're actually prisoners. Yeah. They actually don't wear belts. <laughs> and that their trousers sat. And it became a fashion. And you're copying it. 
So when you want to even copy something, copy something that is nice and about sacred. So, and the way you, there's this popular saying, the way you dress is the way you are dressed. Mm-hmm. It's not a lie. Because most people, not most, almost all, are moved by sight. So when I see you, your looks is the first thing I get from you. And that makes me form an opinion about you. When you talk, even if you have stuff, the first impression about you is like, uh, maybe when you're not talking, I'm like, okay, you're actually good. Oh, oh, okay, he's good. Oh, okay, he's intelligent too. But how many people will give you room to talk mm. when they are put off with what's how you look? How many people will want to give you a listening ear? Because as you're talking, for example, a lady goes into an office for an interview and half of her cleavage is that short. Half of her breasts are out and you are, you are, the, what they are looking at is like, ah, ah, auntie, what is this? And she might actually be intelligent, but her presentation, mm-hmm. which gave the first impression. Somebody said, how many of us have the opportunity to make first impressions again? How many? How many gets the opportunity to like, it's not me, oh. You have a wrong notion, no. That's not me, oh. I'm more than that, oh. How many gets the room to explain or the, the opportunity to make first impression twice? How many? So for me, it's more like you'll be, you, you want to be addressed in certain ways, then look that way. Look that way. You can't see a man of God who is also a child of God before he became a man of God. Climb the pulpit, sagging jeans. Or a woman of God wearing, you know, a villain dress and say, yo, 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 praise the Lord. God doesn't look at the outside. It's more about the inside. It's just me and God. Just listen to what I'm saying. You, you, you know. And then you don't see somebody climbs to teach you and use vulgar language. Say, praise the Lord. I don't give a fuck what the devil is. You don't do that. You don't see it because <laughs> nobody really can see it. No, no, the issue is that yeah, apart from not taking you serious, you you are confusing them for God's sake. Is he is it which one you wanted to listen to? So I remember there was one time, you know, when the dispensation of the teaching of grace started and everybody was like, just be singing grace, there's enough grace for you. And I'm like, I hear people not reading this part of the scripture that say, Can we remain in sin and say grace you abound? And then I can't believe you can actually work with God and be in synergy with the Holy Spirit and still be messing up. It's not possible. God is not the author of confusion. He's one spirit. So you can't be truly a practicing Christian and do some certain things. By their fruits, you will know them. That's what the scriptures say. So there's no way you can be saying you are walking on the court and you enjoy walking naked. And you're like, don't forget, forget it. It's just what is inside that listens to my inside. <laughs> it's what I am. Most of you that are covering your head are evil. <laughs> Most of you are evil. It's going to be funny in heaven that day. I, I, anytime I think about how heaven will look like, and I'm like, <laughs> a lot of us will be shocked when you enter heaven. You're like, ah, you are here? Yes, I am. Oh, where is in hell? And uh, why is he in hell? <laughs> you can wonder it. <laughs> and you wonder why is he in hell? You just find out that the truth of it is that, ah, man, the Holy Spirit were talking and was talking and you were define it in your own terms. You don't define God in your own terms. You define God in his own terms. You don't give God terms. You don't. It's, that's why it's God. That's why it's God. If that's the case, then everybody will have his own terms. No, 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 no. You don't define God by your terms. You define God in his own terms. When you come to Christ, you sign his terms, not your terms. Don't tell him, okay, God, let's negotiate this Christianity. You see, I like walking around, not fully covered. But we accept you. Look, can we do a deal? Ah, God doesn't want that way. He's not the author of confusion. He has his rules, he has his ways, he has his, his regulations, he has his, he has his principles. You either align, but you don't. It's as simple as that. Yes. Hallelujah. 
I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Go school. Finish. So we've actually come to the end of this episode. <laughs> I've learned a lot. I'm so delighted. I'm I'm even in shock. Really? <laughs> Honestly, it means a lot for real. I'm so glad and so thrilled to have you on, on this episode. Thank God. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I want to pray for everybody out there. Um, if you're listening to this broadcast and you believe in God for something, I want you to stretch your hands as we pray. And if you have not given your life to Christ, please um, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's simple. Wherever you are, you can just kneel down and just pray a simple prayer and ask forgiveness of sin and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And I want to pray for everybody here in the name of Jesus. I ask, Lord, for every soul that listens to this podcast, so Lord, that Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, that you reach out your son, do Lord, and heal those that need healing. You bless those that need to be blessed. Direct those that are asking for direction. And enhance the knowledge of those that are looking unto you. I cover every person that listens to this broadcast with the blood of Jesus. Father, every one of them listening has a heart desire. I ask, Lord, as they come into contact with you through this broadcast, you will turn their life around for good in the name of Jesus. Some of them are going through challenges that they cannot share with anyone. It might be depression. It might be broken promises. It might be lots of things that nobody can answer or understand. But your Holy Spirit knows it all, and you are the God of all flesh. So I commit their soul, their spirit, their body into your hands. Father, meet them at the point of their needs in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because exceedingly abundantly above that which could ever think or ask or imagine, you will do. I ask that you will bless them, and you will bless them, and you will bless them beyond their imagination. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Ma, for this anointing. Thank you so much, Ma. Um, to you out there, I believe you've learned a lot and you've been touched and you've been saved as well. Please do well to follow, share, turn on your notifications so you don't miss out on any episode. And yeah, thank you so much. Jesus loves you and bye for now.